Cardles. Thank you, Tone. Here we go, everybody. Uh, last month, I introduced a series called So What? Where in the world did I get this name for the series? Well, uh, years ago, I was on a plane trip to Denver, and the woman next to me wanted to talk about Christianity. She wasn't a Christian. Um, and we talked, and we talked for the whole trip to Denver. Um, and her big question to me as I talked about the good news of Christianity was, so what? Isn't that a great question? So we have been wrestling with this question. What is the so what of the gospel? Before we go any further, we're going to pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence and the truth, the guidance and power of your word. We ask you, Lord, to speak to us, reveal more of yourself to us, and give us insight and understanding. Open our eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Turn our eyes from worthless things and give us life through your word. You made us, you created us. Now give us the sense to follow your commands. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are going to go on a, a journey of a three-course meal, okay? So the best way to think about what we're going to do here is think soup, salad, and entree. All right, and just so you know, uh, I recognize there is no way all of us walks out of here and remembers everything I said. I don't even remember everything I said. However, if you would, as we move through this uh, text, if you would think of what is one thing I could focus on this week? What is one thing the Holy Spirit of God is shining a light on that I should pay attention to? Maybe even write that down in your sermon notes as we journey through this, okay? So, uh, let's do a little bit of review because we've been talking for a little bit about this question of the so what of the gospel. First of all, let's start with this. What is uh, the, the meaning of the word gospel? The meaning of the word gospel is good news, good message. If you remember nothing People, if you remember nothing from this series, simply remember this. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Brad. So what? <laughs> Why is that a big deal? Well, I, what if you needed to express this truth to someone in an elevator and you're just going from the first floor to the second floor? Well, you could quickly say to them, okay, let me, let me, let me clarify. I know I said Jesus is the gospel. Um, uh, sir writing or ma'am writing with me on the elevator, um, let me quickly tell you what the name of Jesus means. The name of Jesus means God saves. So uh, if that's true, if Jesus is the gospel and Jesus' name means God saves, well then God saves is the good news. All right? It's sometimes very helpful to have it kind of boiled down really simply. God saves is the good news. That'd be one way we could say that is the gospel. You want to know what a tree is? I can quickly point to a tree and I can say, that's a tree. But let's say you want to go deeper. That's a tree, but Pastor Brad, I want to go deeper. What, tell me about the leaves. Tell me about the branches. Tell me about the trunk and the roots. You want to know what the gospel is? I point to Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. But Pastor Brad, I want to go deeper. All right? We can go deeper by adding one word to Jesus is the gospel. We could say Jesus Christ is 
the gospel. Jesus Christ is the gospel. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is Jesus' title. So what? Well, what does the word Christ mean? The word Christ means Messiah, anointed deliverer, the king. Therefore, the gospel is not just good news. God has sent us some wise counsel. No, it's much bigger than that. The good news is, good news, a God has sent Israel's promised Messiah. He has sent Israel's promised king, the deliverer, to redeem and restore all of God's creation. We will always stumble in interpreting the Bible until we see it through the good news of the kingdom of God. So that's the soup. <laughs> Let's get to the salad. Second course, watch this.
If you would ever like to watch that again, you can go onto YouTube and search the Bible Project, Good News of the Kingdom. The Bible Project is a great resource. It tells you all in these short little videos, just a lot of great biblical truth. All right, so what? Jesus Christ is the gospel. Why in the world did I show you that? Well, if Jesus is the Christ, then the good news of the gospel should never be separated from the good news of the kingdom of God, right? And we now head into our entree. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 24. Please turn there. Keep your finger there. Keep it open so you can follow along with me. As we started this series, we, one of the things we talked about was the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians 15 are a, a great, succinct expression of the gospel. That's a great place to turn if someone asks you, okay, tell me in the Bible, show me where the, where the gospel is. What Paul then does is he continues on, he talks about the resurrection, and then he gets to this place here in the middle where he begins to talk about the end of things and the beginning of the eternal uh, stuff that we will live in. And we catch him kind of mid-thought, verse 24. If you would please stand, and I will read it for us. Then, then, then the end will come when He, that's Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after He has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for He has put everything under His feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under Him, it is clear that this does not include God Himself, who put everything under Christ. When He has done this, then the Son Himself will be made subject to Him who put everything under under him, so that God may be all in all. You may be seated. Wow. Now there's a ton there, but again, just we're gonna we're gonna take this this entree bite by bite. Um, we're gonna start here with this this truth, and we've been here a little bit. Let's review just a little bit. Uh, Jesus the Christ rose and ascended, and that's good news. So part of the good news is Jesus the Christ rose and ascended. Ask any skeptic, and they will say, okay, big deal. There are many, quote, chosen ones. There have been many messiahs who have come and offered themselves for their people and provided a fair amount of good teaching. But we, church, should not put Jesus in that category because while those chosen ones uh, offered their lives and died, they are still dead. According to the gospel, our Messiah, our King, our Deliverer died, yes, on our behalf, but He lives again. He rose. He was resurrected. What happened after the resurrection? Well, according to the Bible, He, he didn't just uh, rise, He then ascended. Where do we find that? Well, here's one place, Colossians 3.1 Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. It's not helpful to think Jesus just ascended to kind of some nebulous heavenly place. No, it's much more helpful if we stay with the clarity that when Jesus rose, He, he ascended to the right hand of God. He ascended to His rightful place of authority. He went to that place where He rules and He reigns. What then is the so what of all that, the resurrection and the ascension? Well, let me just show you this in the context of the story of God. Hang with me for a second. 
So, before the beginning of the universe, all right, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit living in eternal self-giving love, right? And it's out of that self-giving love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that creation was created. And in that creation is created these image bearers, the man and the woman, and in this relationship with the, the, the man and the woman and the, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there is communion, there's shalom, there's right relationship. Where it is, I love it in Genesis, it talks about how, how God is walking in the garden with these, these image bearers. But then what happens? Well, we know the story well enough to know that a, an enemy of God he comes to the man and the woman and he convinces them that they should turn their back on God and they should go his way rather than God's way. And what follows after that is kind of a domino effect of uh, destruction and degradation century after century after century. And so the very Son of God comes and is born, of the f- born in the flesh, so he becomes not only Son of God, but he is now Son of Man. And the Son of God and Son of Man, God in the flesh, fully human, fully God, comes and does battle with the enemy, with with the Satan. In fact, the, the Scriptures tell us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so, the Son of God comes and He destroys, He defeats Satan, sin, and death. And then He ascends. And in that ascension, He is now not only Son of God, He is Son of Man eternally. Did you know this? Jesus is still the Son of Man and the Son of God, still fully human, still fully God. And He oversees in His rightful place, He oversees now an oath, a covenant of grace to restore and redeem all of God's creation, all right? So, that resurrection and the ascension of the Christ is incredibly important because if, if Brad rose from the dead and ascended, well, that'd be fine. It'd be good. That's going to happen, biblically speaking. But I'm not the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. It's important that the Christ rose and ascended. And what does that mean in the now? Well, good news, we can say Jesus the Christ reigns right now, which is very helpful because too many of us in the church believe that Jesus, His rule and His reign is going to, is going to start when He comes again. Or it, 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 it started here and then He ascended and, and we're kind of in charge right now. No, 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 no. Read verse 25. For He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet. Why that word until? Why not after? After, for he must reign after he has put all his enemies under his feet. What would that imply? That would imply that Jesus is going to rule and reign after, in some future time. The word until tells us Jesus is reigning right now. Jesus is ruling and reigning right now, which is very good, because if we don't have a king, what happens? Well, we just do what seems to be right in our own eyes. Judges 21, 25. That's that's where Israel was at one point. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And this is what we see when people don't have some authority to rule over their lives. We just kind of do whatever we want. And if Jesus is reigning right now, well, that means when the king 
who has been very clear, and he has said some very clear things, that means we should probably do them, not in some future time, but right now. So, for example, if, if the king says we should turn the other cheek now, then we should do that now. If the king says we should keep the marriage bed pure now, then we should do that right now if we're part of his kingdom. If the king says we should offer up our lives and pray for our enemies, then there's not some future time where we have to do that. There's a now time where we have to do that because Jesus the Christ reigns right now. Of course, some might say, well, okay, this is a nice sentiment, Pastor Brad, but it sure doesn't look like Jesus is reigning now, (laughs) right? This is why reading the Bible is very, very important, because when you read the Scriptures, you learn a number of things. One of the things you learn is that God's timing uh, doesn't look like our timing, and that God's ways is not our ways. What does our way look like for ruling and reigning? Our way for ruling and reigning looks like, hey, let's do this. Let's amass more power and wealth so we can protect our comfort. Right? Essentially, that's the way we vote. We want want to amass more power and more wealth so we can do what we want to do so we can stay comfortable. God's battle plan always looks very different than our battle plan. What does God's battle plan look like? It looks like a cross, doesn't it? It looks like, not, it doesn't look like comfort, it looks like the very character of God. It looks like following in the footsteps of the king. And so the, the king offered his life up for people out of his comfort zone, left his throne, and, and began to offer his life so that we might be saved. And he asks us, who live in his rule and reign, who are part of his, the body of Christ, to do what he did. Hmm. So, I, now you might be scratching your head and thinking, okay, well, uh, so where's the hope in that? I mean, it just looks like a future of more bloodshed if we're all just going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, right? Well, part of the hope of the gospel is that there's going to come a time when all those dominions and powers and authority that are fighting against the goodness of God are not going to be just defeated. They're going to be destroyed, where Jesus the Christ destroys every enemy power. You have an enemy that makes you feel powerless. I, I don't know how many of you think a lot about, you know, uh, terrorism, you know, or, 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 or someone breaking into your home or whatever. You know, we, we, we do things because we're afraid of the enemy. The enemy is going to come. And, uh, or we're afraid of coronavirus, and so we, we do all kinds of things there. Or we're afraid because we have, uh, we have an enemy called cancer, or we have uh, some sort of physical enemy that's coming after us. There are all kinds of enemies in this world, let's admit it. And some of them, maybe most of them, make us very afraid, and so we organize our lives so we don't have to be afraid. The good news of the gospel is not only has Jesus defeated those enemies, but there's going to come a time when those enemies are all destroyed. Read this with me. Let's read it out loud. Then the end will come when He hands over the kingdom to God the Father after He has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet. That word all means what? 
all, yeah, very good. The word all tells us the extent of, the, of Christ's rule and reign. There is no enemy that plagues God's beloved creation that is going to survive the rule and reign of Christ. There is an end point to their existence. Jesus the Christ right now is our advocate, and the good news of the kingdom is that we don't fight alone, and we won't fight these enemies forever. All dominion, power, and authority will be destroyed in the consummation of the kingdom when every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus the Christ is Lord. Now, if you want another quick way to summarize the gospel, you could just say this, Jesus Christ is Lord, or Jesus Christ is Lord of all. But people might want to know, okay, what does that word Lord mean? The word Lord simply means the one with the power and authority, right? Now, in our country, uh, I, I don't know about you as I was writing this, I was thinking about all the fears we have in our country of power and authority, right? Part of our country was birthed out of the fact that we are rebelling against uh, power and authority in England. Uh, why do, we, why, do, why do we get worried about power and authority? Well, we're worried that someone is going to use power and authority in a way that is destructive. So, Republicans, I'm turning to you on the right, okay? Republicans, guess what? Do you know why all the Democrats fear you? Because they're afraid you're going to seize power and authority and use it in a way that is destructive for them. Democrats, those on my left... Do you know why all these Republicans fear you? They're afraid you're going to get power and authority, and you're going to use that power and authority in ways that are destructive. And so we have this great fear. We have this great division. Christians, do you know the way to cure that fear? Is to stop putting your faith in political ends and political parties and political leaders as the ones who have the power and authority to bring change and trust that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And He's the only one who has the real power and authority. And He, because He is love in the flesh, He is the only one who can truly usher in a rule and reign that is filled with grace and truth at the same time. So we have to trust in Him. Where in the world am I? There we go. So what's this so what of all this? Uh, eventually, this one with power and authority is going to put everything under his feet, the text says. Read this with me. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. What's that about? The very next verse tells us. When he has done this, then the Son Himself will be made subject to Him, that's the Father, who put everything under Him so that God may be all in all. Say that with me. So that God may be all in all. That might be the best bite of this meal. Have you ever taken a bite of something and said, wow, I don't know what that is, but I want more of that this is a big, big concept, but it's right here in the text. How, how do we understand this? Well, think of the, the difference between order and disorder. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit created an ordered universe where there was right relationship with God, self, 
others, all creation. That's order. That's the way God intended it. The enemy comes in and brings disorder, brings, brings a havoc to that right relationship with God, self, others, and all creation. There's going to come a time when Jesus hands the kingdom over to the Father. The enemy is put under his feet. The enemy is destroyed to the extent that everything is put back to the right order, to the right place where it should be. And in that place of eternal shalom, that's the place where God is all in all, when everything is set right, where the communion with God is perfectly destroyed forever. And the reign of Christ, it's all put back into order. Now, hang with me just for a second. With this, there, there's, it, don't put it up the next verse just, just yet. There's a question. It's like, well, if Jesus is the king, why is he handing, Jesus and God are one, and why is he handing the kingdom over to the Father? I don't get that. Read this verse with me. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. We, for the Father, through the Son, we could say then add, by the Spirit, okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are designed to live in communion where God is all in all, in all things. Are you overwhelmed by this? Shake your head if you are. Good. We should be overwhelmed by this. It should make us go, wait, time out. Wow. Because Jesus did not come to give us good advice. Jesus came to set everything back to the way it should be, where God is all in all. Could I make this simple? Yeah, let's end with it very simply. We'll just say this. Jesus Christ is the gospel. Jesus Christ is the gospel. God saves through His Christ, through the, the Messiah, the Deliverer. The Christ rose and ascended. The Christ reigns right now. The Christ destroys every enemy, power, Satan, sin, and death. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So what's the so what? Well, that's up to you to some extent. What is God calling you to do, change, or pray about? What does it mean? Think, think about this for a second because it's important with every decision. What does it mean for you personally if Jesus is Lord of all? What does it mean for the ethical decisions you would make if Jesus is Lord of all? What does it mean for that relationship that's broken if Jesus is Lord of all? What does it, what does it mean for every, if He's Lord of all, that means that, that truth should color every decision. A king who's good is a king who can be trusted. So would it be possible that you would put your faith, that you would trust in and depend upon the king who is good and can be trusted. Let's pray. 
What I'd like to do right now is offer an opportunity for anyone here. Maybe this is, a, this is new information for you. Uh, this idea that Jesus is reigning right now. Is there, is there another person you'd rather be in charge? I don't think so. He's trustworthy. And his ways clearly are not our ways. But if, if you, for the first time, if you would like to give your life to him in faith, if you've never done that before, I'd like to lead you in a prayer right now. It's very simple. You're simply saying yes to God. Yes, I'm going I'm to trust and depend upon you for everything. If you'd like to, make that, to say that prayer right now, I'll, I'll say a line. You can say a line back to, to God. Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner and I need to be rescued. I need a Savior. I believe you lived, died, and rose again so that I might be saved from Satan's sin and death. I invite you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to be your apprentice now and forevermore. And for all of us, God, who have said that prayer before, we simply ask, God, that you would help us see any part of our lives where you're not, we're not letting you rule, where we're not trusting you with your authority. Lord, it is a great gift to follow after you. We want to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. So help us. In your name we pray. Amen. If you said that, that first part of the prayer with me for the first time, if you go to the blue tables, Jill and I are going to be there. Uh, we have free gifts for our first-time visitors. It's totally shameless. We're going to tell you about our church and that gift. <laughs> uh, but we also have what we call a yes packet. And that yes packet is just kind of first steps to, to help you on your journey as you're in your life as a, a follower of Jesus. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. It's good to be in the family of God. Um, we're going to have some people down front who would love to pray for you if you have anything on your heart uh, that you would just really love someone to lean in and pray for. They'll be right down front here. They'll have lanyards on, and you can find them. Uh, for the rest of us, I'm going to uh, close with these verses from the very end of the book of Jude, verses 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace.